Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Man, do we have a show tonight. Oh, yes, we do, we do. Uh, how was your day today, Greg? My day was great. When I saw the bulletin that, we, that we've that we been sending out for the last couple of days, and I thought about it, you know, I said, today is the day. Today is the day that somebody is going to get the answer that they woke up to hear. Today is the day that somebody out there that has been dealing with being raped, molested, lost a mother, lost a father, they're going to get the answer tonight. Somebody's going to get the answer tonight. Today and tonight, Brian, it's a special time. It's a special moment right now. And you know what? We were created for this moment. What a day. You know, I was thinking when when I came up with a name for this show, you know, I had already come up with a name before we had selected uh, our special guest. And just reading the information that he had, just the basic information, I knew that he was perfect for this topic. And, uh, you know, well, look, first of all, let me give you the topic first before we introduce who we have on tonight. The topic is he is able. He is able. And, you know, I thought about, you know, because the things that Greg and I do through our daily lives, um, you know, we, we're involved in a lot of different things. But one of the things I do is um, I coach football. And, you know, you know, people who've listened before know that Greg and I both coach together. And now I'm taking on the task of being a head coach. And it's been a very daunting task because the majority of the children that um, I'm coaching, they're very young. You know, I have the 8 to 10-year-olds. And so it's very hard to get their attention. And so I'm always telling them, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And a lot of times I'll get discouraged and I start thinking about the early church and how they must have been discouraged trying to get these new believers in line. You know, I remember when Paul was out, you know, he had to keep sending these letters of encouragement, letters of, you know, of instruction to the new church. And so I found myself in this, in this, in that sort of like a quagmire because I'm thinking well you know I know I can't tell the kids about the Bible <laughs> you know at football practice because somebody may be offended but at the same time the way that I teach is through practical you know it's, it's sort of like my ministry where I get to minister to these young kids you know but I do it without giving the premise of ministry so to speak you know but I found myself you know just torn between saying look you're able to do this because God is able <laughs> you know you understand where I'm going Greg yeah, yeah I understand you know because some of the kids for so off for, for I mean we've been coach, we've been practicing for no, a little over a month and some of the kids still haven't gotten down the basics of how to catch how to run how to throw what position to line up in and I go through it over and over and over you know and like eventually it'll sink in because I know God is able, and he wouldn't put me out there in a situation where I would I wouldn't be able to do my absolute best job because that's not the type of God we have we have a God who's able and if he if he gave me that position he put me there for a reason yes I truly believe that if we seek God if we really, really seek God and don't give up on Him. See, a lot of times what we do is we'll try God just for a little while and we'll put time limits on Him. And if He's not moving as fast as we want Him to move, then we'll go on and we'll we'll try something else and we'll try to take care of the situation ourselves and that's just not faith. We tend to spend more time with our friends and they can't tell you anything about your life more than, than watching television. So just be encouraged. Tonight, I mean, tonight is going to be a special. It's, it's so special. And, Brian, I'm just ready to get to 
our guests and, and, and have him talk and teach and give the word that God has given to him. Absolutely. Let me give him a formal introduction. Tonight's guest is Dr. Donald Morton, and Dr. Morton is the senior pastor and founder of the Rima Christian Center. I'm sorry, the Rima, Rima Christian Center International of Wilmington, Delaware. Dr. Morton learned discipline, structure, and attention to detail necessary to raise a strong and powerful body of believers at Christa Rima Christian Center International. Did I say Krista Remus? I'm sorry. I'm trying to read this here. <laughs> Getting all happy because I'm ready to bring him on. <laughs> the Word of God must be taught with simplicity and understanding in order for a true change in maturity to take place in a person's life. Remus Ministries is a five-star ministry designed to minister to the whole man the principles of faith, family, and finance through fellowship. Dr. Morton has been in the ministry for over a decade, and through the mentoring of his father in the faith, Dr. Michael A. Freeman, has committed his life to excellence, integrity, and faith. And without further ado, oh, well, first let me give you some more information. Uh, well, actually, we'll let him do that. Dr. Morton, are you there? I'm here, man. You no, know, I'm telling you, I'm fumbling over my <laughs> sentences. I'm just all happy and excited, you know, because... We talked briefly earlier, and you know, I just, I'm, I'm just like, wow, this is going to be an awesome night. Yes, sir. It is, uh, man. Let me, let me say uh, publicly what I have also said to you guys privately: how uh, myself and my wife, my family, my church, we all applaud you for the incredible work you guys do for the kingdom. To foster and advance the kingdom of God and to see people people's lives changed uh in a significant way. And so as you are uh, you know, thanking me for coming on, I wanna really thank you for the opportunity and the wonderful work you guys do. Well thank, thank you. you. To God be the glory. Thank Amen. You. Thank you. You know, tell us tell us some more about Doctor Moore. Well, man, I I tell you what, uh, I am a second-generation pastor. Uh, My mother is a part of the Four Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. She's the bishop of the state of Delaware. Okay. And uh, I have been in ministry for over 15 years. I've been pastoring for over 11 years now. And uh, really, man, my heart's desire is simply to see people's lives changed that only happens when there is a revealing of the Word of God. Yeah. Sometimes, and 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 there's nobody that enjoys church uh, more than myself. However, I think in many at many times we have replaced instruction with hype, and people leave having had a good time without the information necessary to be able to overcome life's challenges, and. I've always said, man, you you give me enough information. I know how to create my own inspiration. <laughs> you give me the information. You know, I, I know what to do from there. You know, uh, when I'm healed, I'm inspired. When I'm delivered, I'm inspired. You know, all of those things come in. And the church has never lacked inspiration, but sometimes we lack the information necessary. And, uh, and so I'm excited about giving just Bible principles, man, that have worked for my life and in my church's life, and uh, seen us have great victories in life. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing. You know, I, I love the fact that you said you go back to the Word. Yes, sir. To the Bible. I truly believe that that's where everything is. I really believe that anything that we go through in our life is in the Bible. Yes, sir. But, Dr. Morton, why is it that we we go to church on Sunday and we the, the pastor's preaching, or when you're preaching, people are, are they feel energized, they feel motivated, they feel encouraged, but by Wednesday they've lost it. Well, yeah, well, the, you have to remember now that there is a pastor's responsibility to feed a sheep, but then there is a believer's responsibility to maintain what a pastor teaches them on Sunday morning yeah. or, or on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The Bible said that church at Berea, Said, now, we believe the pastor, but 
we're going to go home and search the scripture for ourselves mm. to see if what pastor said is so. Right. The Bible says you better let God be true and every man a liar. Mm. So there has to be a level of commitment for every believer toward their own spiritual growth and not just lay all of that responsibility on pastor. Pastor has that responsibility initially, but the growth of every believer is really uh, based on their commitment to their own personal spiritual growth. Yes. Yes. Well, Dr. Martin, what do you believe about um, pastors in general that tell their leader, tell their members that everything that I say you have to follow to the T? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that that's a uh, let me say this that that's an excellent question. Um, let me answer it this way. We have to answer this question first. Who do we come to church to hear from? There you go. Many people would say, "Well, I come to hear from God," but most likely, none of us at any given time, have heard the audible voice of God in church. Then someone said, well, I come to hear my pastor. Well, the Bible said, let God be true, every man a liar. So the, the answer is found somewhere in the middle. I come to hear from God through my man of God. And <clears throat> if, if that is true, then what the man of God has heard instructions uh, from God about should really be followed as long as what the pastor is saying can be sanctioned by the Word of God. And I think what's happening a lot of times is either a pastor has lost his way with respect to his uh, leading aside from the Word of God, or you have the opposite being true. You have a lot of people uh, who have not really gotten a hold of the responsibility and authority given to a man of God to direct their spiritual lives. So I think if it's found in the balance of it. Yes, a pastor should have the ability to direct a person's spiritual life, and then he must have the accountability enough to make sure that what he's directing is grounded and found in the Word of God. Yes. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it oh, does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because yes, sir. What, what, what we're finding now is a lot of people are clinging to the word of the pastor and and they're not going and looking in the Bible and finding the scriptures and applying it to their lives. So when the pastor uh, slips up or, or, or there's something that happens, a lot of a lot of the of the uh, people that go to the church, what what happens a a lot of them will turn their back on the church. Yes, sir. And it and it's almost like they're putting all of their faith in the pastor and saying if he was wrong, I, I don't want to go back to the church. If he was wrong, then I know I can't get it right. Yes, sir. Yes, right. sir. And and uh, I believe Brian and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. I, I agree that uh, a, a believer's hope should be in God. I want to remind us of a powerful statement that Paul makes. Paul said this. He said, listen, everybody follow me as I follow Christ. He said the example that I want to set would be consistent with what Jesus would set if he were here right now. Mm. And so, <clears throat> yes, uh, believers should follow God, but the examples of Christ are the men and women of God who should be leading people by example. We, we, we can't... Uh, we can't abdicate our responsibilities to be example examples to the body of Christ. And that's what's happening now. A lot of people are kind of uh, a little nervous about following pastors, and pastors are a little disgruntled by that. However, we have to take some personal inventory. That's what I do. Let's, let's take some personal inventory. Let's find out if I have presented an example that is not consistent with what Christ would uh, present and then let's fix our personal lives. Mm. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we, we can't just say, well, they ought to get over it. They, they ought to just follow God anyway. I'm just a man. I'm, I'm human just like they are. Well, yes, certainly, that, that's true. However, there should be a raised standard for every pastor. 
that would be able to provide a holy example of what God intended a leader to be. You know, it's funny you should say that because that was one of the discussions that we had in um, in a new members class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a member saying, well, you know, the pastor's a man just like everybody else, so he's subject to, you know, to sin, and we shouldn't hold him up to a standard. I said, and, you know, and I made the argument, I said, well, now you have to remember that we have to follow the faith of our pastor who's following the faith mm-hmm. of Christ. Right. And so why wouldn't we hold him to a higher standard, being that we're getting instruction from him? I said, just like with any teacher, you would hold that teacher who has, you know, a greater access to the knowledge that you're trying to learn to a higher standard than you would a student who is just entering that class for the first time or who is under who is under subjection to that teacher. You know, if I'm being instructed by the teacher, I shouldn't, I wouldn't expect the teacher not to know something that they're teaching or I wouldn't expect that teacher to say 2 plus 2 is 5 when she's when she's teaching two plus two is four. That's exactly right. So you so in essence you would hold them to a higher. I'm not saying that 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 means the pastor is any better than any other man. Certainly. What I'm saying is that I believe that you should hold them to a higher standard because God is holding them to a higher accountability. Well, we can prove that in Scripture. The Bible says, "To whom much is given." Much is required. Much is required. If we were not given much, then we shouldn't be expected to have much required of us. Mm-hmm. However, the assignment is massive, so the responsibility is massive. Yeah. And <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of Christian leaders that have fallen in. And uh, I've taken the posture that I'm praying for them, have talked with many of them. Um, however, I don't sanction what they've done. And I'm just a blunt talker, you know. When I, when I confront them or, or talk with them, I love up on them and say, "Man, let's let's get this area together, and let's not act as if." See, because my flesh doesn't know the difference between one woman and my wife's flesh. It doesn't know the difference, and the moment we begin to think that we are not subject to that kind of temptation. You know, it's a daily choice to do right and to live righteously and to and to be holy. It's a daily choice. It's not without any opportunity to blow it. it. Just means that when you have a revelation, the Bible said it this way: It said, "If you'll awake to righteousness, you won't sin." Mm-hmm. You understand? So then it stands to reason that a person who is consistently sinning is blind toward the righteousness of God that God has provided. And it's not that we're not the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God, but many of us don't understand. Uh, Brown, you were talking about football, man. It's the equivalent of uh, showing up, one of your uh, players showing up to your practice in a basketball uniform. And you're asking him, okay, man, what what are you doing? He said, I come to play ball. Yeah, but it's the wrong game. You're dressed for a game, but you're not dressed for the appropriate game. Well, we're clothed in the righteousness of God. However, we're showing up in life without an understanding of the righteousness that we're clothed in. We're playing the wrong game. Hmm. That's so true. (laughs) I love what you said about your flesh. And, And, you know, a lot of times, I think that's the struggle with a lot of men. Yes. Is they, they they tend to let the flesh decide for them. Yes. So with that happening, how can how can one uh, take over and control the flesh? Because we we all know the flesh is, is, is never, never full. It's always, always greedy. It's always wanting more. <laughs> yes, sir. Always. Yes, sir. Man, you have to... Watch this. Luke says, it says, in righteousness possess ye your soul. I have every responsibility to tell my flesh what I want it to do. We are tripart beings. We are a spirit. We possess a soul. We live in a body. Who we are, though, is a spirit. 
That's why when we die, our spirit and soul death, our spirit and soul leaves our bodies, goes to be with the Lord, whoever is Lord of our lives. Hmm. And then our body is left behind, which suggests that they are separate entities. I have every right to dictate what my flesh should do. And that's why the greatest televangelist that ever lived was Flip Wilson. Mm-hmm. Flip Wilson lied because Geraldine said the devil made her do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. Mm-hmm. And here is, where, here is where I separate from most people. Here, here's what I believe. Because I understand that the Bible says sin is pleasurable. I don't act like it's not. And so I set boundaries around my life to make sure that I don't enter into something that would um, cause me to fall. Now, now uh, one of my good friends, man, we have had uh, this conversation. Her name is uh, Evangelist Donna Dyson, very good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I, taught, I, I was sharing with her this, this principle that I use. It's this. Here's how I control my flesh. I control my flesh because I preplay the consequences of my behavior on the canvas of my imagination. Hmm. <laughs> you understand that? Yes, sir. In other words, I think about what my behavior in this season is going to cause in another season. So if I do that, And if I see myself on the front page of the news, or if I see my family leaving me, or if I see the people that have entrusted their lives to me at Rhema Christian Center, if I see them walking out, if I see the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to living uh, leaving me, if I pre-play all of that, I'll back up to my present and I'll make correct choices. Mm. Oh, that's so good, man. Mm, You understand? (laughs) Because most people never think about the consequences. Watch what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes says this. It says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, we continue in our sin. Yes, sir. You got it? So because the consequences don't show up speedily, I'll continue to act as if what I'm doing is going to go without any consequence. But there is a season for consequence. Just like you sowed in a season, you will reap in another season that is sure to come. God says he would never be mocked in that. Mm-hmm. So I don't play with my flesh. I tell it what I needed to do. Because here's what I've also learned about Satan. If you don't develop character, mm-hmm. he, will call, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't mind your elevation and promotion. But we're saying the great elevation and promotion of some of God's best and greatest anointed without the benefit of character development. And Satan will expose you at your highest point for the world to see. Pull the covers off of you and make everybody look at you. Mm-hmm. My, my, my. My, my, my. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, well, go ahead. I'm so, so what we've got to do is we've got to spend enough time in the silent years of ministry where nobody knows us. We don't need to be on TV. We don't need to be on radio. We don't need to be in no newspaper or magazine. We need to spend time creating character so that when the promotion comes and the exposure happens, we don't mind fingers being pointed at us Mm. because our lives are together. Mm -hmm. So in saying that, do you... And I and I know you've been following the news. So, what do you think about this? Seem like it seems like it's a season now where people are being exposed. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Nowadays, you see every little thing that somebody does is being scrutinized. Yes, sir. You know, in some of our shows, we talked about the situation with, like, with Paris Hilton and um, Michael Vick. And then, you know, we talked about uh, the issues with some of the uh, pastors uh, that have been victims or, you know, possibly perpetrators of spousal abuse or um, and the divorce rate among some of the more prominent pastors that are, you know, televangelists and so forth. Why do you think that we're in the season of now, because I call it, what I call it is our season of exposure. 
Yes, because now everything, I mean, we have the Internet, we have instant messaging, we have text messaging, we have mobile-to-mobile minutes, and you can get information literally at the tip of your fingertip. Yes, sir. You know, and it's so readily. YouTube is sort of, YouTube is on the cell phones now. Yes, sir. So you can get instant video of something as it's occurring. And, you know, why do you believe that we're in what I consider a season of exposure? Okay, watch this. And, and boy, y'all might get some calls on this. <laughs> but, but hopefully y'all have me back on anyway. That's <laughs> all good. Let, let's, let, let's clarify something. Number one, God is not the one that exposes. There you go. Okay? Satan doesn't play fair. Thank you. So he convinces us into or tempts us into a behavior and then pulls the cover off because he doesn't play fair. He is the most deceptive and subtle being of God's creation. That's number one. You remember... 1993, I want to show you something that happened. 1993, of course, all of us know what took place September 11th mm-hmm. uh, of 01, our World Trade Towers. You know, I, I knew that's where you were going. Yes, sir. Our World Trade Towers were attacked. There was a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. But what many people don't know, uh, guys, is that that wasn't the first attack on the World Trade Center. The first attack happened in 93. Mm-hmm. And in 93, what they did was they filled trucks with explosives, drove them into the parking lot underneath the buildings, and set off the explosives, expecting that one tower would fall into another tower, causing the destructions of thousands of lives. It didn't work. Right. It caused some problems and damage at the lower end, but not nearly as much damage as they anticipated. I want, I want you to catch this. What they do then is they go back to the drawing board. September 11th was being planned since 93. They look at their mistakes. They go back to the drawing board. Watch what they do. They commandeer planes and they fly the planes into the top of the buildings, causing both buildings to basically implode and fall down by attacking the top. <laughs> Y'all got it? Yeah, so what didn't work by attacking the bottom, they found out would work by attacking the top. Now, Roman says it this way. Roman says that whatever is happening in the natural is a clear understanding of what's taking place in the spirit. So because Satan couldn't bring the church down by attacking the bottom, he begins now to attack the top. And you're seeing divorces happen. You're seeing infidelities happen. You're seeing babies in the church happen. Why? Because now Satan has redirected his focus because he understands he can't really damage the church from the bottom. Everybody expects that the people at church sitting in the pew, they're going to have some problems. So what he said is, I'm going to get the top. If I can get the top, the body will fall. (laughs) And that's why there has to be some guarding around those at the top. We've got to pray for our leaders at the top. Hmm. Satan strategized against the top. And that's why all of us have to be committed to functioning well at the top. Because Brian and I were talking about this. It ain't about none of us, really. That's right. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and these wonderful, marvelous, precious people to which God has entrusted us that we are privileged to serve. Absolutely. 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 And that's some good stuff you just said. (laughs) You know when, and, and you know it's it's funny because my spirit connected with that right away when you said, "Do you remember 1993?" And the first thing I thought was, "He's going to talk about the World Trade Center." Yes, sir. Wow, that yes, sir. God is awesome. Yes, sir. Because you, and you know we were talking about this uh, before the show, and we and I kept telling him I said the Holy Spirit will show up. 
Yes, sir. And, you know, the one thing about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a revealer. He'll reveal to you what God wants you to know. Yes, sir. And so, wow, that's just good stuff, brother, I have to tell you. <laughs> you know, I wasn't Amen. expecting that kind of answer, but, you know, God will do it. Amen, absolutely. Because <laughs> he is able. Boy, look how that title works in. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Dr. Morton, I yes. wanted to say this, and you said he's attacking the top. Yes, sir. He's also doing that. He's attacking the tops in families as well. Yes, sir. He's attacking the tops, and and it's falling. Families are just falling apart. Yes, sir. They're just falling apart. Yes, sir. And it's so sad because you see now we see so many women that are doing uh, their their roles have been reversed. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And they have a husband. But you see the woman as the head, right? And right. now, now the man is taking the back seat and allowing her to be the head. Yes, sir. How can they get that back? Now watch this, man. That doggone tripped out moment had happened back in Genesis. <laughs> see, because what you have, watch this. What you have is sin enters the world. Not when Eve eats. Here's when it really enters. You remember the Bible says she ate and then she turned also to her husband, Mm -hmm. gave to him, Mm -hmm. and then he ate. Mm -hmm. Sin happens at the moment that Eve is the responsible party for providing to her husband and not Adam providing to his wife. So the family is messed up way back there. And now you have children that are born to Adam and Eve, and they can't get along. So (laughs) we're talking about families that are dysfunctional today. God's first family was dysfunctional. Hmm. You, You got a boy who's a murderer from the beginning. Wow. So we go to God, God, you don't understand what I'm going through with my son. He said, what are you talking about? My first family tripped out. <laughs> you got it? Look, so, they lost their house. They, <laughs> Started off the bat. They, they lost the house, foreclosed, God foreclosed on the property. He said, listen, Adam get out of God. this place, and I'm going to set security, call my angels <laughs> at the entrance of this thing so that you can never get back. Mm-hmm. And so now, watch this. What God has been doing from the very beginning is the the Bible was only designed to be three chapters long. From Genesis 3 to Revelation is all correction. Wow. It's God putting back in order what became out of order as soon as Adam now provides to his wife. Man, if we don't get brothers back in line with the family structure. Now, now I'm going to make another statement. Y'all might want to mute it. <laughs> they might want, not want to hear this. No, I they got to hear They got to hear this. They got to hear I was, a, I was the president of a local organization here called Stop the Violence Coalition because we had a spike in violence in our communities here, as, as it is happening really across the country. Yeah. And they brought in some statistics to me. Here's what it said. This is the statistics. This ain't my opinion. It said that the majority of the violence is being perpetrated by young men whose fathers are absent. Mm. So if we're to fix violence, we don't lock them up because they'll get back out. You want to fix violence, you introduce a father figure into that young man's life. You remember the Bible says that at some point God would turn the hearts of fathers toward sons and sons toward their fathers? Mm-hmm. There is a father-shaped void. You ever ask yourself why God calls himself father? Because There is a father-shaped void, particularly in every young man, that when that's absent, he doesn't know how to function. 
most malfunctioning men can be traced back to the absence of a father. And I also found this out, that the absence of a father, he can be absent and in the home. Yeah. My father was there, but my mom played football with me. You understand? So I I malfunctioned over time. Uh, I mean, my life was raunchy, man. I lived a raunchy life. All because, and I can't base it all on that, but I was hungry for a father, someone to direct me, someone to tell me right from wrong, someone to get in my chest when I was wrong. Yeah. And because of that absence, I took a direction. You, if you read Proverbs, uh, 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 he writes, he said, listen, listen to the instructions of a father. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a reintroduction to the importance, and brothers, not just the importance of a father, but the honor of a father. Yes. Yeah. You understand? I mean, where fathers are honored and reverenced as being the men of their house. Because there are a lot of ladies out there now, uh, man, who... And, and, and listen to me. I mean, I feel the sisters because most of them didn't really want it. They were thrust into a position that they didn't necessarily want. They did what they had to do. And God had to grace them for that period. But I believe he's turning the heart of fathers, back to the family structure. And we're going to see the emergence of successful families over again. Yes, that's true. That's I believe that with my whole heart. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting how you put that when, when you said that they're looking for a father figure. Yes, they're sir. They're searching for it. Because I find almost, it's almost like they're looking for it but when they see it, they're afraid of it. Yes, sir. They're fearful of it. I remember talking to some uh, individuals. Their um, their their grandfather is a member of my church. He's a deacon at my church. And I remember talking to these young kids. They keep getting in trouble with the law. Mm. And I couldn't get them to look me in the eye and talk to me. You know, when I started to talk to them, they were they were standing up next to my truck. And by the time I finished, you know, the first statement of why are you guys in trouble, they moved away from the truck and they sat on on the side step. Wow. And then I noticed as I kept talking to them and asking them questions, they couldn't answer my questions. And when I would try to make a statement, they would go all, oh, yeah, 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 and this and this and this, and they try to explain away the question before I could ask it. Mm-hmm. And I just asked them the question. I said, why are you afraid of what I have to say? <laughs> and they said, t- I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I said, then look me in my eye and answer the question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see those eyes roll, and, you know, they they could never stand there. And I said, well, you, I said, that's what being a man is. Absolutely. If you can look me in the eye as a man and speak to me as a man, you know, I said, treat me. The same way when you thought you were a man when you were out there committing those crimes. Yes, sir. I said, because you were a man then, so be a man now. Yes, sir. But what I found is that so many children, even children with, and this this isn't just little boys, it's also little girls. You'll find that even those with parents, mother and father right there, still have this lack of respect for authority because they see it as being, instead of saying, I'm respecting authority, you trying to tell me what to do. Yes, sir. The law said you can't beat me. Yes, sir. The law said this, the law said that. See, they have this thing where they respect the law of the land more than the law of the Lord. Right. Right. Absolutely. There's, I think a part of our problem is we have to by God's definition, define what this man is. Because mm-hmm. um, there is man, watch this, there's man, and then there's mankind. Oh. There's man, then there's a kind of a man. <laughs> and what we are now seeing is a kind of a man 
because we haven't defined what a man is. And there are four, really five, but four focus points uh, in the Hebrew in the uh, Hebrew of what a man is. He is Adam, he's Ish, he's Gabar, and he's Zakar. And it's a natural progression of maturity so that you leave being mankind and end up being a man. Now what I found is, is that most sisters are in love with mankind. Oh. You got it? So what they have is they lay down with mankind and think that by the time their child is born that they'll have a man. <laughs> they get disappointed because when they lay down with mankind, when the child is born, they still have mankind. And sometimes that man ain't kind no more. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, you know, Ish is the one that I want to talk about a little bit tonight because Adam, Adam is this guy. Adam means red-faced. He's emotional. Um, he's sensitive. You can't really talk to him about anything because he's mature. He's immature. But Ish is the one that marries Eve. Mm-hmm. You got it. Mm-hmm. So by the time, what what most ladies are doing is they're marrying Adam, but Ish is the only one qualified to be married because Ish means responsible one. Y'all ain't got that. I got it. You understand? <laughs> so so what's happening is a lot of sisters are being disappointed, and many of them are waking up frustrated with the man that they have. But the man that they have is the product of their intelligent choice. They married Adam. They married immaturity. And who you marry is who you really expect to have the rest of your life. That's why you have to spend some time, get to know this brother, make sure he's got his ducks in a row, and marry Ish. Don't marry Adam because Adam Adam will buy sneakers when the baby needs pampers. He wants to look good. So he'll go buy Nikes, and then the wife will say, okay, I need some money for food. He said, oh, oh, <laughs> I don't have any money for food, but check these sneaks out that I have. Wow. He's a dog. It says, I don't need any sneaks. What's the baby need? Sweetheart, what do you need? What can I provide for you? Not just financially, but emotional support, spiritual support. Let's pray. Let's study. That's ish. And then when you move to Gabar, he's a protector. And most brothers would fight if you or I were to break into their homes and try to attack their families. In the natural, we'll fight. But Satan is breaking through in the houses every day, and we're ill-equipped as men to be able to fight satanic attacks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Boy, this is a good interview. We should have about two more hours of this. (laughs) We're going to have to do a part, too. We're going to have to do a part, too. Absolutely. We're going to have to. So, so that's what's happening, man. There, there has to be an emergence of godly men, men who are willing to stand up and be accountable. Because watch this. Here's the other part that, that needs to be addressed. A man wants to give orders, but he doesn't want to take them. Hmm. You understand? And so you remember the centurion, the centurion, uh, comes to Jesus, and he said, listen, man, my servant is home, and he is sick. Jesus said, okay, I'm on my way. I'll come. The guy said this. Listen to what he says closely. He says, no, I don't need you to come. He said, I am a man under authority. Watch. He said, I'm a man under authority. I tell one to go, and he goes, one to come, and he comes, one to do this, and he does it. So if you speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. But what most people don't touch is the fact that he says, I'm a man under authority. What he's saying is this. What gives me the right to tell one to go, and he goes, one to come, and he comes, one to do this, and he does it, is because I, too, have a head. <laughs> oh man. He said, I got an authority over my life that tells me to go and I go, tells me to come and I come, tells me to do this and I do it. And because I have a head, watch this, because I have a head, 
I am able now through authority to tell others what to do. But most men don't have that kind of authority, though they should, because they're not willing to submit to anybody. Nobody can tell them what to do. I told the brothers at my church, if you're not going to allow me to direct your life, call me Donald. Don't call me pastor. Because to call me pastor gives me a right to speak into your life with the expectation of being obeyed. Yes. <laughs> we don't like authority. You understand? And so there has to be a clarity about authority. Now, I'm going to show you a revelation that, as brothers, we might not like, but it's the truth. You ever notice that a sister can get a prayer through, man? Oh, yeah. The Bible calls them weeping women. She can get a prayer through because God has designed her for submission. And as long as she is submitted to her husband the way she's supposed to be, well, I tell you, she'll bind the devil all day. And her husband can't see any spiritual victory because he won't submit. She submitted, has all the spiritual authority. He ain't submitted and can't get a devil to flee. Mm-hmm. All based on submission. That's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like sleeping with the enemy. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. And so there has to be an awakening for brothers. And and I'm I'm asking every brother who's listening to me. I'm asking you, brother, to be everything that God has called you to be for our sons' sakes, for our daughters' sakes, for our community's sakes, for our church's sakes. Be everything that God has instructed and called you to be. And if you want to see our nation turn around, you you see brother, Christian brothers, stand up and be the men God's called them to be. You'll see things change immediately. Yes, yes, absolutely. Dr. Morton, we yes, have sir. a caller on the line. Okay. I would love to go to the caller in the 443 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. And I'm <laughs> <a> familiar voice. <laughs> Hello, Pastor. How are you? What's happening, my friend? This is a <laughs> wonderful friend of mine, Evangelist Donna Dyson. <laughs> I tell you what, this is blessing me, and no, I'm not a brother, no doubt, but um, this is definitely something that uh, the nation should hear. Yeah. Um, my God, this this is really a word, and I can't. I just got on the phone about five minutes ago, and I was just bubbling over, saying, "Lord, I just hope and pray that brothers from all over the globe are listening." Because um, this is an awesome word, and you're an awesome man of God. And I thank God for you in my life. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. I thank God for you in my life as well. This is a personal moment, y'all. You understand? (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Fellowship. Fellowship. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you for calling in. I figured you would when you saw who was on tonight, so. (laughs) <laughs> it's good to hear yes. from y'all. So yes. how's my yes. buddy? Is yes. he still there? You guys did a good job with uh, selecting Dr. Morton. He is a dynamic, dynamic teacher, preacher we, we, of the gospel. Well, we're going to have him come back on and do a part two. So oh, yes. you definitely get a chance to. I was getting ready to blow the email up and say that you ought to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, definitely going, we're definitely going to do it. We're definitely going to do it. He's got to come back and. We're just having fun, and I mean, we're fellowshipping, and we're just enjoying his teaching and what God has gave him to, uh, what God has given him to to help us. Amen. Yes. It's a good word, and I'm trying my best not to use my pen and write down too much, because sometimes what tends to happen is preachers get to writing stuff down, and then all of a sudden they start claiming stuff as if they came up with it or the Lord gave it to them. So I'm trying my best, trying my best. I just put the pen down, and I'm just trying to listen. Well, I tell you what, last night uh, I taught uh, for a TBN taping that will air in a, in a couple of weeks, and Man, I opened up with this scripture Holy Spirit gave me, 1 Samuel chapter 10. 
You know what I'm saying? And it blessed the people. Have you read that scripture, Evangelist Dyke? That's why she's laughing. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I've read that a couple times. I remember talking about that scripture once or twice to some friends. Oh man. Ooh, that's Amen. good. That's Amen. good. Well, everybody's going to have to go look that up. First <laughs> Samuel chapter 10, verse number 22. It will bless your life. And it, it really is. Uh, she gave me this scripture uh, several weeks ago. And the Bible says, uh, verse 1 talks about how uh, Saul was anointed of Samuel. The Bible says he poured oil on him, kissed him, anointed him with oil and kissed him. And then they began to inquire where the Lord's anointed was. And verse 22 says, after they inquired, the Lord answered and said, he's over there hidden among his baggage. Mm. Oh, man. Mm. Such an incredible scripture because those who God has chosen don't look squeaky clean. Mm. And we have to have enough insight into what God is doing to know that many of those who God will use in these coming years have some baggage. Mm. Mm. And if they'll ever stand up out of the baggage, because the Bible says once they stood, once he stood up, he was head and shoulders above the rest. If we can ever get people to stand up out of their baggage, we'll see a mighty move of God. If we can get the church to recognize that some of who God is going to use in the latter day have some issues, they have some issues. They're not none of us on. On this interview, this time of fellowship, we're squeaky clean when God touched us. Right. None of us. He would have had no need to. He wouldn't have had no need. So so when God touches us, he, touch, he finds us among our baggage. Wow. Smoking weed, wow. drinking, fornicating, lying, cheating. We're doing all of that. And he says, you haven't chosen me. I chose you. That's mm. right. Even That's with your baggage. Mm. You understand? Uh, 15, so, 16. Huh? Mm. Mm. Said, That's good. He said, I chose you. So so that's why Jesus said, Jesus is having this party, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, he said, go go find some people to come to my party. And he said, man, Jesus, we done been out here. Everybody talking about different things that they have to do. In essence, he says, go find the people with the baggage. Go to the Hedges Highways. There's some people with some baggage there. Invite them. They'll come. And what we have done in church is our audience has been the wrong people. Jesus said, I've not, he said the sick don't, he said that the healed don't need a physician. And there are some people, brothers and sisters, that are out there hurting while the church is attempting to be some social organization, there are people out there hurting. Man, I'm Gary. Cry like old punk. There are people out there hurting, awaiting a touch from God, while we're in church politicking for position. Jesus. That's a shame. Man, we got to get it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus. Jesus. They got some baggage, but we got some baggage. You know, I, I've heard it said that if you're looking for a perfect church, the moment you step in, it becomes <laughs> imperfect. <laughs> Don't join. <laughs> Don't join because you're going to mess those folks up. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, but and, and, and the sad part about that statement is that people literally believe that. And that's why they don't go and join a church. Right. Why they don't go in fellowship. Right. Because some of the churches act like they're perfect. Right. And that you have to be perfect before you can join. Right. You know, and what I truly believe is that if you're waiting on a perfect church, you're not going to find a perfect church until Jesus Example of a perfect church is a church that is obedient to his word. That's exactly right. And so all you have to do to be perfect in his eyes is be obedient to his word. That's right. And the church is sort of, in, in this church is basically that place where you get a chance to practice on how to be perfect. That's right. You know, he's not looking for you to be perfect right off the bat. 
That's right. If that's the case, he would have had no reason to send Jesus. You know what the Bible says? I taught this last night. The Bible says that when Satan comes to tempt, he'll leave you for a season mm-hmm. until a more opportune time to come. It's what you do between the time that he first comes and the time that he returns that will determine how you will handle the next temptation. Mm. And if I if I am sneaky enough to study my Bible and to pray and to fast before he returns, when that joker gets back, he'll see a totally different person. You remember Grandma and them? You ain't seen Grandma in 10 years, and then Grandma say, My, you've grown. <laughs> and that's what Satan is going to have to do. He was able to get us off track with many things years ago. But, man, we started studying, and we found out what God had to say about righteousness and holiness. We found out we began to sing spiritual songs and hymns to the Lord. We began to pray and to fast. So when he returned, we looked nothing like we did when he tried to tempt us with the same junk. Mm-hmm. Man, if we just make it up in our minds to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we just do that, stand up out of the stuff we're in, God will be pleased with us. Dr. Morton, if you have the opportunity right now to talk to someone that's hurting, that's in the valley right now, that's, I mean that's suffering and they're about to give up, what would you say to them? I would say to them that there were moments of my life. I'm not talking about years and years ago. I'm talking about uh, maybe a couple of years ago where I too wanted to give up. I found out, though, that Jesus experienced that same thing in the garden. And he had a nevertheless moment that though I feel like giving up, though my flesh wants to give up, we don't have the right to give up. Because Jesus didn't give up on us. I promise you that if you'll keep going, many people say, I'm going through, that's good. The problem is if you stop, just keep going through and you'll see victory on the other side. You're a champion man of God. You're a champion woman of God. And if you'll continue to follow God's word and he, him, Holy Spirit, you'll see significant change and victory in your life. I promise you that. Dr. Morton, if someone wanted to get in touch with you for speaking engagements or you to visit their church, how could they do that? They can contact me uh, at uh, donald.morton at ramacity.org, or they can call 302-324-8801, or they can write the church at uh, Rama Christian Center International, 1000 East 12th Street, Wilmington, Delaware, 19802. You know, this has been a very, very enlightening, wonderful, wonderful show. Amen. Uh, Brother, I mean, you have blessed me. I mean, I can't tell you. I've been really, really quiet. I'm never this quiet on the show, but I've been sitting back and just listening. Just closed my eyes, and I've just been been listening to what God has given you to give us, and I tell you, you have truly blessed me. Thank you, sir. Amen. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of other men and a lot of other women out there that are listening, they will touch as well. Amen. I, I know I know you touch Brian. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Look, I was so excited just to get him on. And then once he started to talk and the Lord started to speak through him, it was just like, you did it. And we also have Donna. We, we, we also have Donna scheduled to come on the show. And, and if you're listening, you have to be back for her. Just please look out for the bulletin. We're going to send those out. She's been on the show before. She's an awesome, awesome woman of God, and she's on fire. I'm telling you, she's on fire. Yes, amen. We'll have Donna on. We'll discuss the Joshua experience. Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to have oh, a lot of fun. Amen. For those out there that have been listening, and for those who will listen to this soon as this podcast out, you know, God wants you to know that He is able. Yeah. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you did in the past, no matter what somebody did to you, someone raped you, someone beat you, you were broke, you cheated, you lied, you stole, you murdered, you molested, God is still able. 
to get you through. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. Thank you, and good evening.